Hey, what's up, everybody? This upload is coming to you July 19th, 2017, and you're listening to the Post Money Plan Podcast. My name is Dallas Post, and I am your host for this episode. We believe empowerment comes through knowledge, so our purpose here is to inform, educate, and stimulate thought on topics within personal finance, economics, and investing. Don't forget, you can find us at postmoneyplan.com or search The Post Money Plan in the iTunes podcast app or in Google Play. Today, we're going to be talking with my guest, Zach. Zach is about to start medical residency in internal medicine and has finished med school and a Europe internship. We're going to get a little insight from him on the process of becoming a doctor, going through med school, some of the things you have to worry about in terms of student loans and the cost of school considerations throughout the process. So welcome to the show, Zach. Hello. Thank you for having me. How about let's first walk through your background and then we'll go into some of the positives and negatives about becoming a doctor. And then we can talk about the costs of different medical schools and then get into a little bit more details on student loans and, and some things like that. Could you just for the audience walk through your background in terms of medical profession? Sure. So sort of my first introduction to medicine was through my father, who is also a physician, I retired. Then after, during uh, undergrad, I decided I wanted to go for medical school myself. So went to medical school in Arizona, did that for four years, and just finished an internship and completing the rest of my residency in internal medicine. And yeah, so just right now working on completing residency. How did the personal experience go for you in deciding to become a doctor? Was that primarily based on the fact that your, your dad was a doctor? Um, Yes and no. He was the first introduction I had to the medical profession and very interesting learning from him throughout the years. Whenever I had some kind of medical concern, maybe like a scraped knee or whatever, it was always very comforting having a doctor in the family to go to. So that was my first introduction, but didn't really consider medicine as a, con- as a career seriously for a long time. Thought about being a psychologist for a while. And then uh, going into my junior year, of college, I decided I just wanted to change things up. Didn't think psychology was going to be the right choice for me. I liked a lot of the science behind medicine, and I just liked the idea of helping people as a career directly. In any profession, you sort of help people in some way, but with medicine, you see the direct effect of that help in somebody's life. And it just seemed like it would have meaning for me. So, and that knowing what my father did, I decided to just go for it. So changed my major from psychology and history going into my junior year and majored in biochemistry, cell biology. Took off from there, applied for med school, got in, did some volunteering along the way as well to help verify that that was the right decision for me. Then maybe you can give us some insight from your perspective on what some of the positives and negatives of becoming a doctor are. Because I think it's it's pretty obvious that not all specialties within medicine are, are going to be equal you're going to have a difference in the hours that you have to work and the pay that you'll get and the stress that you might have, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it all depends on you. Yeah, there are some specialties where you may have more free time. Um, depends on what you do, uh, what you're interested in, how, where you practice as well. Also, if you're doing private practice or you're working for somebody, that also plays a huge part I mean, there's some specialties where you're not on a fixed schedule. Your services may be on demand at a time where it's not convenient for you. Like OBGYN, you may be called in at any time to deliver a baby. 
So that kind of work life is for some people, they love it. Um, that might not be for you. Family medicine, very easy to set up your own practice there and you can kind of create your own hours. And in terms of salary, you know, if you look online and search for, you know, average salary for whatever specialty and yeah, there are differences in those, there are different means. But it also just depends on how well you run your business because, I mean, you could enter into a lower-end salary specialty, but there are people out there who are making very high above the average just because their business acumen may be better. It just depends on how you run your business. So don't enter a specialty based on salary and what you see online because there's often a huge difference in reality from what you read on the Internet. So not being specific about a specialty, but just some outside perspective that I would have on that in economic terms. People think of doctors as having higher salaries. And in general, I would say that's probably fair to say versus the average income. So in economic terms, high salaries means that there's a lack of supply relative to demand. So you could observe that there's not enough doctors relative to how much they're demanded in our, our society. So that would mean that society is demanding more future doctors. Right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's also a profession, a professional career. You go through four years of school, you get this degree and you go through even four years of residency training and you spend a lot of money for med school and get compensated well for that eventually. But uh, also, in terms of how much you get paid in each specialty, uh, and there are different factors. Like again, it's how well you run your business, but also how it's currently set up. If you're entering a specialty where you get paid more, where you, get, where you do more procedures, that's often where you will make a lot of the money. It's procedures often build more, and so maybe like a surgeon or or whatever field you do, where you may you may do a procedure. It could just be some kind of incision or extraction you can do in an office or placement of some device you know, that often what's billed more and can add more to your income. But it's not necessarily uh, what you would think of as the higher end profession. I mean, the higher paid profession. Okay. But getting more specific about the positives of being a doctor, what would you say are some of your top things of what attracted you to becoming a doctor? Uh, just learning, well, on a deeper level, I mean, helping people that's a huge part of it. And just going to the hospital every day and meeting, you meet a variety, a large variety of people and it's, it makes life interesting and you get to help them directly and see how they progress from just being in this sick state and then guide them on this path to recovery, which is very satisfying. And also it's, to me, studying medicine was also just sort of, studying medicine and science is just learning about life in general, just sort of like a learning of a deeper truth of what it means to be human in this world. Um, you know, you learn about the science, you learn about the physics, the chemistry, and eventually how that applies to medicine. And, you know, you just, you see this diverse population base and you, you learn about people, who they are, where they come from. And you can see a wide variety, but there's also a common denominator about what makes people tick. And uh, it's just very interesting. And it's just a deeper truth. So the things that I would think of, obviously from an outsider perspective, like you said, I think you're able to make a direct observable impact on people's lives and that would seem fulfilling where you can see the difference that you're making. You know, if you save someone's life um, because of some surgery or something like that, 
you also have the high income potential where a lot of salaries could be upwards of 150,000 all the way up to potentially like 400,000 a year, right? Yeah. And uh, it would seem that the job is also not uh, like a repetitive desk job. A lot of jobs nowadays, you're just sitting behind a computer and not you do the same thing every day. And well, as a doctor, you are also behind a computer a lot of the time. Also, especially depends on your charting system, and more and more hospitals are going towards computer charting. So you are behind the computer a lot, looking up lab values in the morning and entering in orders through a computer system and typing in your notes for the day on each patient on a computer. And I mean, that's sort of a sad thing with medicine today is because you're often you don't have that much time to to talk to the patient for an extended period of time because there's several patients you have to see that day and you have to type in the notes and the orders there is a lot of time you have to spend behind a computer but it's true you're it's not just a desk job because you have to actually get up and go see the patient and then you can be called at any moment by a nurse where something's going on with the patient and you have to come check them out at a moment's notice. So it keeps things very interesting and keeps you active that way. You have both worlds, you know, you're, you're active, but you also do have to, it's kind of a desk job at the same time. There's also the aspect of job stability, right? It's not the same kind of cyclical, cyclicality. It's like if you're in the oil industry and oil goes down and you're an engineer, you have potential to be laid off. But as a doctor, you don't, you're not going to have experience those same kind of swings in demand, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a shortage. There's been a shortage for a long time. It kind of also depends on your specialty and how much demand it's in and where you practice. I mean, maybe there's a higher likelihood of that if you're in a large city in a specialty where there isn't a shortage of those particular doctors. But yeah, generally speaking, there's always the demand. All right, how about speak to some of the negatives from your personal experience or insight? Well, for one thing, medical school, it's uh, very expensive. And you will be paid well as a doctor eventually. In a residency, you're paid well, but not what you usually think of when you think of a doctor's salary. So it takes a while to become more financially comfortable. And it can be years, it could be over a decade before you actually pay off your student loans. You know, that's sort of a detriment there, um, sort of looming overhead. And it's, it requires, the profession itself requires a lot of hours studying, actively training. There's a lot of sacrifice. There's reward, obviously, spiritually, financially, but it requires a lot of work, a lot of work to get there. So you have to you have to know for sure that's what you want because once you start medical school, I mean, that's you're pretty much locked in. It's kind of an all-in commitment because it's so expensive, and you're counting on your high-income salary as a doctor afterwards, and but then you don't finish. It's kind of hard to be able to pay that off if you don't have that high income. Yeah, and there are some specialties like family medicine that's especially in demand. It may be hard if you look at the average salary for some specialties, like family medicine, it's usually on the lower end. I mean, still, you're compensated well. And again, it depends on how well you run your business or you practice, but it could take longer to pay off your loans. But there are some programs out there where if you serve 
if you practice in an underserved community for X amount of years through some organization, government body, they will forgive your loans. They'll pay them off so you won't have to pay the full loan amount if you work those next number of years in that underserved community. But to me, it would definitely seem like there is that risk that once you make the choice to go into the medical profession to become a doctor, you're kind of committing it's a huge commitment where you want to be very sure that you that's what you want to do because you potentially have what four years of undergrad that well you could say that's the same for everybody but then you have four years of medical school and then potentially an internship year depending on your specialty and then maybe three years of residency and then who knows what else right yeah and you should do some kind of volunteer experience in medicine during undergrad or whenever you're interested and do some research, practice in the research setting as well, because uh, that's a big part of modern medicine as well. I mean, you need to actively participate in research. During undergrad, you get experience through all of that, and that will help you to figure out if this is the, the field for you. But amazingly about medicine as well, it's so, so diverse. There are many different specialties and, you know, there's kind of something for everyone in terms of you know, your interest, your personality. Uh, I mean, there's some doctors want to be very much a part of their patients' lives, be very active in many social aspects and, you know, family medicine, internal medicine, you can get a lot of that. But then if you don't, if you like helping people, but you don't necessarily like the clinical setting, there's specialties like radiology or pathology where you're still contributing to the patient care process, but you're sort of behind the scenes in a sense that way. And if you like working with your hands a lot, there's surgery, there's other procedure-heavy fields, and you know, if you, you don't like working with your hands at all, there's plenty of specialties where you don't. So there's something for everybody in a sense that way. So you can, there's many people I know who started medicine with no idea what kind of doctor they wanted to be. They just knew they wanted to be a doctor. Some of them came into med school thinking they're going to do one thing, and then when it comes to time to apply for residency, they realized they wanted to do something else completely different. So there's a lot to choose from within medicine, and you'll kind of figure that out as you go through medical school, what you like and what'll work and not work for you. Well, I think there's a risk, though. Like If someone's attracted to become a doctor just because of, oh, I want a high income, then they might come to regret it if they don't like actually practicing medicine or realize that they have to go through another eight or 11 years of school. Right. Yeah. You don't go into medicine purely for the money. There are easier ways to make money if that's just what you're interested in. And some would argue that it comes out even in the end. And that all depends because you're, you're going to be older before you start actually making stereotypical doctor salary because you're going to be going through med school. You're going to be building up this debt on student loans, and then you're going to be working residency where your salary kind of ranges between 45 or so to mid-60s range in income. And that just depends on where you're doing your residency. You don't go into medicine just purely to make a lot of money because it's a big commitment. It's a big commitment, and it's a lot of money you have to put in before you actually start making it back. What a lot of people don't really think about is there's an economic concept called opportunity cost. And so for every year you're in school, that's a, a year that you're not working and earning an income. So just in terms of the time that you're in medical school, four years of medical school, 
those are four years that you don't have a job where you're earning an income. So that's also an extra cost you could kind of think of right? in addition to just the tuition. Yeah. Going back to the summary, the negatives, you do have the concern that medical school is does have very high tuition costs. So that's something to be concerned about. How about in terms of like work hours and uh, work stress and that kind of stuff? Well, again, that's also kind of specialty and residency dependent. You can work 24-hour shifts. Sometimes you can work entire month of nights where you may be working six nights a week, 13-hour shifts, where it feels like you're just kind of living in the hospital. It all depends on what you want, how hard you want to work, just what's worth it to you personally. You know, I like what I do. There are definitely pros and cons. I mean, it's very stressful, especially when you're starting residency or your internship. You've learned what you've learned in med school, but now it becomes real. And you have to learn, continue to learn the medicine. But not only that, how things work in a hospital setting, the bureaucratic side, they don't usually teach you in medical school. So that it can be stressful just learning the system. So, yeah, I mean, it's a very stressful profession. But again, it's very rewarding and there's a lot of pros, like just having meaning in your work. And I mean, the salary is good too. But again, you know, there's pros and cons because there's many years in med school where you're not making any income and you're building a lot of debt. But there are pros and cons. Well, one other thing though is that you have the potential for malpractice lawsuits, right? Yeah. In residency, they have you pay for malpractice insurance coverage. But yeah, there's always that possibility just that risk overhang because not all professions like what you're doing you're at always at risk of like being sued by other people <laughs> right yeah okay let's move into just talking about the cost of different med schools and and the education to become a doctor so i think it, it's pretty well known that med schools are notoriously expensive and you would agree from your experience that the same rules apply as they do to undergrad in the sense that public schools are generally cheaper than private schools and in-state is generally cheaper than out-of-state? Yeah, that's very much the case usually. Yeah, I mean, if you can apply in-state, I would recommend doing that. To me, it would be just more beneficial to saving money rather than just going off to a private school. You know, maybe it's a big name, but usually from what I've gathered, that's not often worth it. Where you do your residency just usually depends on how well you did in whatever med school you went to and then your board scores where you usually take you know a step one board score uh, after your second year of med school and then your step two going into your fourth year. And it's those scores that determine mostly where you do your residency training, where you're accepted. And that's more important usually than where you actually went to med school. So I've been told uh, where you do your fellowship is also even a bigger determinant of where you practice in the end. So if you can stay in state and save some money, I think that's definitely worth it. But, you know, that's just my opinion. So just in summary of what you were saying there, along the process in terms of coming out with the best outcome or having the best opportunities, what are you saying are the most important determinants of that? What school you go to or what residency you end up in or your board scores or like which part are you saying is, is going to be important? Well, you know, I mean, you want to go to a good medical school, but if you have a, you know, a good medical school that's in state and cheap, that's great. 
I think going to a big name medical school, from what I have gathered, from what I've been told, seen myself, it's not as big of a determinant and where you end up. It's, you know, how well you do at whatever med school you went to, how well you did on your standardized board scores. And then where you do your residency training is more important than where you went to medical school. And then after that, there's further training you can do. So you, you do residency training in whatever specialty you choose. And then you can even go further subspecializing in that chosen specialty. And it's called doing it. It's called a fellowship. So let's say you're in internal medicine. You want to become a cardiologist. You go to fellowship training to become a cardiologist. And where you did your fellowship training is often the biggest determinant in your career prospects. So arguably, fellowship is the most important determinant. Then followed by where you did your residency and then where you did your medical school. Okay. And then in terms of a range or a gauge of, of like how expensive we're talking, private medical school, it could be up, what, like thirty to $60,000 a year? Or more. So sometimes you can pay, when you look up tuition for a medical school, you may see whatever amount could be 60000 And that may be true for the first year or two. Uh, oftentimes, the tuition will increase during your last two years when you start clinical training. And I mean, that's not often covered on an internet search. But I've seen tuition as high as 70000 75 from the start. That's getting pretty expensive. Yeah, it gets up there. But on the positive side, I would say that that's justified by the high salaries that doctors can potentially earn after med school. So it's not just it's really expensive, don't go. It can be balanced out by, okay, it costs a lot, but then if you have a high wage afterwards, then you can more than make up for it. Yeah, potentially. And there are ways that you may, through different government programs, you may not even pay off that entire student loan that you've built up. You'll pay off a little bit at a time, but there may be forgiveness plans where you don't, you only pay a small percentage of the actual debt you've built up. But since the cost is so high, kind of what we were alluding to before, you kind of have that problem where once you make that commitment and you've gone, let's say you've gone through three years of medical school at $60,000 a year, I suppose you can quit, but you almost don't really have that luxury to have that choice anymore because when, if you've accrued $150,000, $200,000 of debt, what other choice do you have but to finish, continue, and then become a doctor so that you can earn the money to pay that off? Yeah, you're pretty locked in. So. <laughs> uh, it'd be tough. <laughs> and a lot of people end up finishing medical school with what like 100 up to like 200 almost like a quarter million dollars worth of debt in some cases yeah yeah sometimes higher so yeah i mean it's a big commitment for sure so it's not something you can just easily quit on a whim because you have to pay back those loans somehow now um this probably doesn't quite jive with your previous statements about going into it because you're passionate about it, which is what I think people should be doing. But a consideration, especially in the future, if salaries change between different specialties within medicine and the cost of med school keeps going up even higher, you could have a tipping point where it makes sense financially if you're going to go to med school for certain specialties, but then not others, where if 
Like, let's say the salary of a specific specialty went down to only $75,000 a year, but the cost of med school was all the way up at $75,000 a year. That would probably get to the point where you say, like, it's probably not worth it to go to med school if you're going to go for that specialty anymore versus another where it's still $250,000 a year annual salary. Even if it costs $75,000 to go to med school a year, it's still worth it to do that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's that's tricky because there are specialties where you aren't that aren't as well compensated as others. But from my experience so far and working with a wide variety of doctors, I haven't really seen anyone hurting financially, at least on the surface, um, even in the supposedly lower paid specialties. But you're going to live comfortably from what I've seen. There are ways to increase your income. Again, like you may do more procedures. You know, there are programs where that can help you, like a, you know, like that serving an underserviced part of the country, and that would forgive your loans after three, four, or five years. So, I mean, there are ways. It just depends on what's worth it to you, what you like, and how well you can run your own business if that's what you want to do. And just a point I would make is that in terms of how much it costs to go to school and how much debt you end up coming out with. Having a, a higher wage, even if your med school is very expensive, if you have a really high wage, it's easier to pay off. Like So, for example, if you have a surgeon that was able to make $400,000 a year outside of school, but they came out of school with a quarter of a million dollars of debt, they'd still have an easier time of paying that off than someone who was only able to earn $175,000 a year, but they were coming out of school with $100,000 in debt. Even though the debt that they're coming out of school with is a lot less, their income is that much lower, it's still harder to pay off. So my point there is just that if someone is just scared by the number of the student debt, I don't, I don't think that should be your only consideration. It shouldn't scare you off from medical school just because it's super high debt, because if you have the potential for a very high income, then you can pay it off and, and be well and clear even easier than if you went, like, let's say you didn't become a doctor and you only had $50,000 in debt. But maybe if you had some job that you didn't like and were only earning $40,000 a year, you'd still be like have a harder time financially, potentially. Yeah. And so that kind of raises the point of considering your debt to income ratio, kind of like when people think of buying a house and you look at what is the potential mortgage payment that you would have versus your your income from your job. It's a similar thing where like, if you think about how much student debt you would have versus how much income you're expecting in the future, you could look at, think about that in terms of a similar type of ratio. Right. And yeah, and on the topic of you could enter into a higher paid specialty, but oftentimes that schedule may not be worth it to you. And then maybe a profession is not that interesting. So, I mean, you have to do what is right for you. And, and it's not just about the money because, I mean, you don't want to get paid 400 plus, but do something that you hate doing every day. Well, yeah. Uh, but I think that should be a consideration even before you're even going into medicine at all. Is like you want to make sure that you want to do it, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you know what you want to do from the very start, great. But I mean, just be comfortable in knowing that you want to be a doctor and whatever field you choose, you know, it doesn't matter what the salary is. If you like that field, do it and make it work for you. There are ways. 
But what was your process of choosing? Like a lot of people aren't going to know what specialty they'll want to do, right? Until you go and experience and do rotations and and find out for yourself kind of thing. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, you know, I had some ideas going in. The first specialty that interested me was actually emergency medicine. And then over time, I just felt I still liked it, but there were just parts about it that weren't as appealing to me as some other specialties. So that kind of geared me towards other areas. And I mean, there are some specialties where even if you don't figure out what you want to do in medical school, there are some residencies, some specialties that have a wide variety of fellowship options, like internal medicine. I mean, I've known some people in in medical school who partially why they went into internal medicine is because they still weren't entirely sure they knew what they wanted to do yet. But internal medicine kind of feeds into a wide variety of specialties within medicine like cardiology or pulmonology, gastroenterology. Those are there's a wide variety of specialties within internal medicine that are just covering different systems within the body. So yeah, I mean you, you go in, you figure out what you want to do and you just keep going. All right, let's talk about student loans. I think it's fair to say that barely anybody is going to be able to afford to pay for medical school without loans, right? So tell us about your process of paying for medical school and I assume you had to get student loans. and Yes. So going to medical school in the United States, I qualified for government student loans that I applied through through FAFSA, just as you might for undergrad. And there is the direct subsidized and direct unsubsidized loans, Stafford and Grad Plus, which is what I did. And those have varying interest rates, sometimes vary year by year when you sign up for them. And those are usually the best options, initially at least, and that's what I've done. And once you finish medical school, you'll owe this money, and they'll give you a six-month grace period, typically, where you don't have to pay off those loans initially. But after the six months are up, then you have to start paying them back during your residency. And there are different options you can choose and how you want to pay them back. You could if you have the means uh, to pay them back immediately, sure, you can do that. But there are options where you can pay monthly depending on what your income is. And you, know, you receive paperwork for that, fill out forms, and apply for it. And then you send them your salary that you're making in your for that year in your residency. And they will come up with a plan. And sometimes it'll be about 15% of your income. And you, you may pay just a small, the smallest amount possible per month. And that's the, the option I'm currently doing. It's income-based repayment plan. So when it comes to loans that you could potentially get to pay for med school, like you said, there's FAFSA, which is you're applying to get federal aid or federal student loans. And then you could also go out and try to get private student loans. Almost always, the federal loans are going to be cheaper and more flexible, right? So the thing that you're going to be most concerned about with your student loans is the interest rate that you're going to have to pay and then also the monthly amount that you would be required to pay. So in terms of interest rate, since the government has access to the Federal Reserve, they can print their own money, basically. So they're more willing to offer you better rates than a company that has to make their own profits. So usually the federal loans are going to have lower interest rates, which is going to be better for you. Also, in terms of repayment, you know, like you're talking about, they might allow you to get on like income-based repayment plans and things like that, where 
maybe a private loan, they would be willing to do that, but maybe not. So just in general, if you can get the, as much on the federal loans as possible, that's probably going to be more attractive. Exactly. And the potential when you get a federal loan that's, if you have the financial need where they deem that you qualify based on financial need, that you could get subsidized loans where they, while you're still in school and for that grace period you were talking about, like you could not have to pay interest on it. And that way, like the government is just subsidizing it for you. And if you can qualify, that is going to be attractive for you to have. But in a lot of cases, people won't qualify. And then you just have to go with an unsubsidized loan. And then you know interest anyway. Right. And, you know, they'll only give you X amount of funding per year. And if you feel you, you may need more, then you may have to go through a private option as well in addition to that. So... I never had to take out any extra loans than what I got through Stafford or Grad Plus, but there are some people I know in med school who had to take extra and they had to go through private organization. Do you know the cap? Is there a cap, annual cap? I don't know, but it all depends on your med school's tuition. Parkins loans would be ones that are based on desperate financial need, but if you were able to get it, then you'd have a much more attractive interest rates and terms, but you would have to qualify for those. And so not everyone would be able to qualify based on the financial need for those. I mean, one thing to mention is that there are programs where you can work in a not-for-profit for 10 years. And if you can pay the minimum amount allowed based on your income, you know, you may owe 200, 300 plus, but you're only paying 200 plus per month to repay back those loans. But if you do that for 10 years working at a not-for-profit organization, so you can do your residency training at a a not-for-profit hospital, and that would count. So let's say you did three, four, or five years of training, and you finish residency, and then afterwards you go on to a fellowship or you you just find a job immediately working as an attending at a hospital that's also not-for-profit, and you do that for another five years. Then once you reach that 10-year mark, just paying the minimum amount of your loans back, you may have owed 300 plus and you may have gained interest on that, but because you worked for 10 years on an offer profit, your loans would be forgiven and you've only paid back 100 to 200,000 of the 300 plus that you owed. So that would definitely be a strategy that some people might find attractive to take. Right. That's an option. And again, there's also, if you're working in an underserved community, that's a way to go as well. Get your loans forgiven in three or four years. Or some people find it more attractive just to go straight into private practice where they make a higher income right away and they just may decide to pay back their loans themselves. The thing that kind of scares me about paying the absolute minimum on an income-based repayment program and then trying to get the loans forgiven based on qualifying as working at like a nonprofit or something like that is that if the government were to change its mind or something that that's a scary thought you know yeah. if you strategize your entire financial life based on the assumption that they're going to forgive your loans and you work where you wouldn't otherwise work or make life choices based on that and then they change the goalposts and say oh no sorry we're not going to forgive that yeah. then you'd really be in a bad way though that's true that can happen and also where you do your residency training again it depends on where you are they may decide at some point to no longer be a not-for-profit organization maybe they come under new management 
that happened to a friend of mine where he was doing residency training at a not-for-profit at first, came under new management, and it was for-profit, and then he wasn't eligible to apply those years to his uh, loan forgiveness plan. Man, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it does. All right, just to wrap things up, do you have any final thoughts in terms of advice for people potentially considering the medical profession or preparing for med school and paying student loans and that kind of stuff? Just get as much exposure to it as you can in undergrad or sooner. Do some volunteer work in a hospital. doesn't matter what kind. I volunteered in an emergency room in a few of them. That was great exposure. Do some research in the lab as well. I mean, it's not completely necessary, but that's a part of medicine. And shadow doctors, see what they do day to day. That's a great way to really get a sense of the profession. And, I mean, just find a good medical school that is not too expensive. I mean, I would apply in-state and focus on that if possible. And just do what you like. Don't worry too much about the money. Like I said, I haven't seen, I met a lot of doctors, wide variety of specialties, and they're all doing very well financially from what I can see and living comfortably and just do what you like and we'll be happy and the money will come. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the show, Zach. And I hope that your insight is helpful for other potential med students. That's all we have for today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel on the iTunes podcast app or on Google Play. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan Podcast. <laughs>